Pastor Hayes coming at you again tonight, Tuesday night Bible study with River of Life. Pastor Thomas Joseph. Tonight, this is a combination of things that we do on a Monday and Tuesday night, get together, share the word, pray, and just kind of let the Lord feed us tonight. Amen. And we do have Boys and Conquerors Warriors on the line wrestling tonight by Pastor Amen. We're just excited tonight about what God is doing. So we'd like to just take the time to welcome all of you tonight. This is Tuesday night teaching tonight. Uh, this is Tuesday night, uh, April the 21st, about 743, and we're getting started tonight. Amen. We want to uh, just give the Lord praise, glory, and honor that with all that's going on where we're not able to physically be together, that God is so wonderfully giving us this platform be able to come together uh, by utilizing this technology, which is treated as a blessing from the Lord. We know he opened us up. So many now are, are taking advantage of this opportunity to continue to fellowship, spread the good news of the gospel and the word. Uh, this will be going out, by the way, on thir- uh, 40 different platforms right now uh, all over the world, across the United States and in other countries. And so for those of our friends, partners that are out there that will get the benefit from this. Might not be your cup of tea, but I'm going to be teaching tonight, uh, wrapping up a series we've been doing on tithes and offerings, sowing, reaping, and giving, and receiving. And those uh, previous series are out there. You can go access them to kind of catch up if you want to and follow along with us. But tonight I'm going to be talking about a a specific area uh, may not have ever been heard of before in in uh, Christian Dome, I don't know. Some folks might be might be new to you, but there is a, a type of giving tonight I want to talk about, and it's called uh, munificent giving. Uh, you know, and I'll define what that is in a minute. But we're gonna pray first, and I want you to just be touch and agree with us tonight. We're gonna lift up our dear sister, Sister Mary, tonight, who's in a fight and a battle for her life right now, and so she's in the hospital. But Father come tonight, uh, we thank and praise you, God, for this opportunity, number one, Lord God, to make known to you our adoration and our love towards you tonight, and we give you praise, now we give you glory, we give you honor for those that are here tonight, we call them uh, family, Lord God, we call them uh, saints of God, we call them your children tonight, we call them uh, uh, you know, prayer wards and intercessors and prayer partners, gatekeepers, you know, men and women that stand on the wall and pray for the needs of their cities, oh Lord God, overcomers by the blood of Jesus word of that testimony, your word of that testimony. So God, we these are your precious people tonight that you have called and assembled together because we're hungry and we're thirsty. We want to know more about you. We want to be able to perfect and mature in some areas, God, that we've been lacking and lacking in. But we thank you tonight for men and women of God, gifts you set in the body of Christ, that we may build up the saints, Lord God, in these particular areas that we don't often uh, get taught about because we're so busy preaching and teaching other things. And so Father, we thank you tonight for this awesome opportunity to be able to come together and learn that we may grow thereby and that we may be able to better serve you because we're more well informed. Now we can make good quality decisions, Lord God, about our giving. So we thank you tonight for shedding some light and some revelation on this particular subject we're going to take on tonight, munificent giving. Open it up, Lord God, Holy Ghost, and just allow the simplicity of the message, allow the word of God to speak to the people of God tonight, that our minds may be transformed, oh God, that we may come in agreement, come in alignment, our thoughts with your will concerning municipal giving. 
So we thank and praise you for all of us you give us because you said in your word it's better to give than to receive. We thank and praise you that we understand that. You said do not rob God. Don't let a man rob God of his tithe and his offering. And we're to bring it into the storehouse and prove you therewith that they may be in your house, Lord God. And we know you will open up the windows for us to continually do it and pour out us a blessing we won't be able to receive. You said it's better to give than it is to receive. You said good measure, pressed down, taken together. We should give, running over shall men give unto our bosom, but with the same measure we meet with us, it shall be measured back unto us again. You love us, you're forgiver. You want us to be givers, oh God, it's the purpose and plan in our hearts, not of necessity, God, not grudgingly, not out of envy, and trying to get anything back, but God, we're just following the principles, we're just applying the rules you're giving, and we thank you now, and we praise you for it now, because we know you love and you're forgiver. And so we thank you that the tithe belongs to you, and we will not rob you of it. God, there are other levels of giving that you desire that we should always give within our means and not overextend our ability to give. And so we give you praise tonight. We give you glory tonight for what we're about to learn in Jesus' wonderful name. We thank you tonight, Lord God, that we should give according to our income, without oxygenation. We should give freely. We should give with simplicity, regularly, every week if we have to give, be cheerful about it. In Jesus' name, now, Lord, bless us tonight. We lift up Sister Mary tonight, and we're praying, God, in the name of Jesus, that the power of God right now, God, you are able to go in that room, go in her body, go in her life, go in her spirit, go in her soul, and, God, you are able to have the power and the ability to touch her right now. You can release a virtue that can flow through her body, make everything function perfectly again. But, Father, we always know you have a will. So we pray this prayer tonight, believing that by your stripes she will be healed, God, believing that you sent your word to heal her, cancel out all doubt right now, and we release our faith tonight to believe you again, who is our healer, who can heal all manner of disease. And we thank you now, Father. We praise you now. We speak life into her body right now by faith. But, Father, we speak and pray tonight that your will be, be done in this situation. And we know, God, we can't question and ask you why, because we know you have all the means to relieve our suffering. So we lift her up, place her under your divine care and your protection right now. And we still believe the report of the Lord that says she heals, she feels still, and she has the victory. We pray for her family, her children right now, all that know her. We lift them up before you right now. We cancel out that spirit of doubt and fear and unbelief, that spirit, Lord God, that right now they try to come in and cause people to doubt God. And so, Father, we just lift them up, ask you to strengthen them right now as they're being denied access to physically go in and hug and kiss and wipe the sweat off her brow, God. These things are important in these closing chapters and hours when people need that love of the family. They need that support. They need to feel that presence. And, Father, because of this coronavirus, we're being denied these basic essential things, oh, God, as people prepare for their transition. But we know even in this, you can open up a door. You can open up a way, God. And they'll be able to go freely, Lord God, and spend time with her, Lord, as she prepares to make her transition. But God, tonight we choose to speak life back into the situation right now. We choose to go out believing, God, that even now you're able to do a miracle because you're that kind of God. You do miracles so great. And so, Father, we just thank you and praise you tonight for all things tonight. We accept your will right now. Now have your way tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, all right, all right. So let's get into this tonight. Again, I'd like to welcome all of you. Amen. It's been a while. Uh, we just finished up teaching about Psalms 91 the other week. We're going to jump into this tonight and uh, just kind of see how far we can get. We're trying to close up and finish up the series on giving. And, uh, you know, we 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 just going to run down some, some 
areas that we have covered on for those of you that are with us for the first time. Started out by talking about giving is to feed and meet need. We said that giving is not to feed greed. Uh, we said, moreover, giving is not to be treated as just a material seed, but more of a spiritual seed. And we said, all giving is the responsibility of a believer. Okay, it consists of our income, our time, our, our service to the Lord, and also other things like our talents, you know, and our gifts. Also, is a part of the real worship of giving to God, giving back to God. Giving should be to support the mission of ministry. Uh, and, and out of that, sometimes we end up finding ourselves giving to those leaders, you know, all of that is uh, involved in that. One thing we did say that we, we don't we don't do is practice aggressive begging for, for money uh, because we know that the love of money is the root of all evil. So we are learning how to approach this subject of giving uh, because there's so many different things out there. We know that we got this prosperity gospel that's being preached right now. And there's really no real teaching uh, about the Mosaic law on giving, you know, all these things, you know, that have not been taught, you know, uh, all these uh, different meanings and that, that people place and tag on tithe and offering. And we know the tithe of a certain percent of our income. We like to say 10%, or we always like to call it the first fruit. You know, bring that offering. You don't pay God. You don't give an offering, but you also bring your tithe and offering. You don't pay your offering. And that's God's anyway, so we break that off right at the beginning of your income. And some people sometimes put so much pressure on people uh, saying that you've got to do this. But it, it comes down to, you know, uh, you're not going to die and go to hell if you don't die. Mm -hmm. Let's just be clear about that. But you really have some problem with your finances, I'm here to tell you. Uh, it's just like uh, abusing your health. Abusing your body physically by things you eat, you're not going to go to hell because of that, okay? But you will be sick, okay? So let's be clear about that. You can sin against your body, you can sin against your health, you can sin against your finances, you know, and and ultimately, you know, you can you can you can create some consequences there that might make you doubt God. You know, so you don't want to doubt God because that's a huge thing. And so that's why we try to teach these rules and these concepts and these laws, these spiritual principles, so that people don't end up, you know, uh, doubting God and falling out of relationship with God because I, I messed up on the tithe and I ended up being bankrupted, so now I'm, I'm, I don't want nothing to do with the church. This this is the, the eventual uh, downfall that, that happens if it causes people to fall out of a trusted relationship with God because if we violate these laws and we, we experience the consequences, it's going to affect our relationship with Him. So that's why we teach uh, the right way to do it so that people understand it's what it does to you in the long run with your relationship with God. That's why we have to be so careful and, and teach people these things. There are all kinds of rules for giving uh, that we talked about, uh, you know, like, you know, treat all giving like it's a, our duty. Be encouraged to give. Don't let it be, a, like I said, no, not grudgingly, not a necessity. Uh, it, it, it distinguishes the difference between, uh, there is a distinct difference between collection and offering. Paul did a collection to take it to the churches in Corinth, Ephesus, so that those ministries could continue to continue to go. But an offering is what you bring to God. You offer your body to him as a living sacrifice. You order your, your, out of your offering that 90% that's left over. You decide how much you want to give out of that. So that's an offering, okay? You offer God these talents back in the church to serve him. You know, you offer God, you know, your time, 
worship him and to the fellowship, you know, forsaken not their fellowship. So all these are all types of offerings, but then there's collections too, amen, that are taken up, spread around sometimes if you have a clump of churches that are that need to keep the doors open in various places. Yes, you can receive a, a collection and distribute that, uh, and you need to make sure that person that's distributing that is a trustworthy person, which we saw Paul doing uh, throughout Asia Minor. Uh, don't uh, take, but teach to bring. Don't teach people to take, but teach them to bring. Don't teach them to pay God, but teach them to bring the offering uh, to God in the storehouse. Uh, give to God first fruits. You know, we know that. Give liberally as often as possible. We follow scripture rules for giving, just like we do anything else. We don't condemn people. We don't we don't aggressively beg all the time for money. But we teach people the importance of giving. That is better than sacrifice, and they would give. Uh, we also allow people to give according to their income or what they're able to give. Uh, you know, we don't want people, man, to be struggling, failing not to pay your bills. You know, I always tell people, look, uh, don't come to me with that old concept that if it ain't enough to pay the bill, it's a seed. You know, no, 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 no. Seed time and harvest. Know, and all of that has to do, that's, that's farmer's terminology. In that day and age, when that came to be back in Genesis, that's what they were dealing with. Okay, you know, I don't tell people that. I don't teach people that, that if it's not enough to pay your light bill, it's a seed, throw it in good ground. I don't teach people that concept. You know, I know there's a lot of people who do. But you go and you pay whatever you can on that bill. And I'll tell people in a heartbeat, no, you go pay your bill. I'm not going to put no condemnation on you because you need to pay your bill and you say you don't have enough bring that tithe, because it comes down to between you and God. Sometimes I used to tell people, you can't afford not to pay your tithe. I was wrong, but I've corrected that. I would tell them, you go take care of that bill, and you make that up to God. You know, as, as you're able, you make it up to God, because you ain't giving it to me anyway. You're giving it to God, and you want God to accept your tithe anyway. You're robbing God. You ain't robbing me. Sometimes, you know, I found what you tell people what the scriptures say, They'll just say, you know what, Pastor, I'm just going to go ahead and give my tithe right now. God's going to make a way. See, when you teach people the right way and you get yourself out the way and say, you, I'm not the barrier. You're giving unto God. That's about the scripture says in Malachi, will a man rob God? You ain't robbing me. You know? And when, usually when you level with people and teach them the right way, they'll go ahead on and have some faith and say, you know what, Pastor, I'm, I'm just going to God been too good to me. I'm going to go ahead on and give my tithe. I'm bring my tithe on in there. That's what I want God to bless me. And before you know it, they come to find out, man, you know, they call the people and tell the people, I'm a little bit short. And people say, well, pay what you can, just make it up next week. So now, you know, you're not robbing God, but you're, you're, you're using, you know, your, 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 your boldness and your faith to be able to call those people and let them know you just are not able to, to pay the full amount. And sometimes people will work with you, but favor God to be there when you decide to do the right thing, touch that person's heart, and you ain't got to struggle with it. Amen. So we want to get down here. We talked about benevolent giving. We talked about the benevolence and offering. We talked about uh, a word called ostentation, uh, which is a, pre a pretentious or vulgar display, especially of wealth and luxury intended to impress or attract uh, and for people to notice what you're giving. Didn't even let your left hand, right hand know what you're giving. Show what we call exhibition, extravaganza. We have excessive display sometimes, vain and unnecessary show, especially for the purpose of attracting attention, admiration, envy, and pretentiousness. We, we talked about uh, uh, par uh, 
parsimony given, that extreme unwillingness to spend money uh, or use resources, meaning mis miserableness, penny pension, cheapness, tightness, or stinginess, another type of giving, alms giving. Uh, you know, put in uh, historical and religious context, this is the practice of giving money or food to the poor people, benevolent in form or alms giving in the church. It has always been encouraged. Uh, alms and alms giving in the Bible is a religious act. It's required, it is required by compassion and a desire to do justice, uh, whereby an individual who possesses the economic means helps in the material way. We're still out of that going on right now with the coronavirus taking place. It's like it's bringing out the, uh, the you know, the, the, the love of the people, man, to help somebody. <clears throat> Some of these wealthy employers, man, are paying their a salary for the next 90 days, you know, to be able to keep them, man, you know, uh, to keep them, um, you know, keep them up above, you know, above, above the, you know, the, the, the freight, you know, and, and uh, being able to provide for them materially as well as physically. And so that's another type of giving, Christian arms giving. We talked about that. We talked about uh, avarice giving, okay, which is extreme greed for wealth and a material gain, greed, uh, you know, that type of materialism, money grubbing money grabbing, you know, having itching palms and the opposite view of generosity. We talked about covenant giving, inordinary or wrongfully desirous of wealth and possession, greedy, want more, the more you get, the more you want. We talked about um, first fruits, you know, uh, we know what that's about, the tithe. We went down the line and we addressed all of these uh, particular areas of giving. Tonight, we want to pick up on Discipline giving, uh, again, uh, this word is defined as liberal giving, generous giving, bountiful giving. Discipline uh, means giving or giving or giving <coughs> freely and, and uh, unstintingly. Liberal suggests open-handedness. I used to tell people because I learned this up in Virginia, if you keep your hands so tight, when you give it, you might forget to open it when it's time to receive it. And so we should always be willing to let whatever is in my hands go, whatever I purpose to give. I shouldn't be taking second thoughts. Always purpose in your heart what you're going to give. And when sometimes you purpose in your heart, the Holy Ghost, man, will speak to you about that, you know, and let you know. He'll give you such peace about it. So then it becomes easy, and, and you can freely open your hand and let it go. You're not sitting there grudgingly. You're not sitting there, you know, being stingy about it, unwilling about it. You know it's better to give than it is to receive. Good measure, pressed down, taken together, and running over. There's another thing called sacrificial giving sometimes, you know. Uh, it takes a very strong person of faith to be able to enter into that level of giving. Uh, I've been a sacrificial giver um, for a number of years, Pastor Terry and I, and we love it. We love it. You know, we love it because we know God loves it. We don't go around complaining about it. We don't go telling people what we did, how much we did. We just do it, especially right now with this coronavirus. And there have been other storms and things, you know, that we've gone into our little savings and said, well, you know, God, you know, both of us telling us to do this. We'll just go in there, man, and break off and be pretending to be through with it. You know, I mean, next thing you know, we see go somewhere. We see somebody. We're talking to somebody. They could walk up to you, man, and say, I don't know why I'm doing it, but God just laid on my heart to do it. Like, amen. Praise the Lord. I used to throw my hands up and say, "Ah, not here, not here, somebody else." But I don't do that anymore because blocking somebody's blessing by doing that. So we want people to be blessed. So sometimes 
And that's a different thing if you're going out here begging for that. That's totally different. That's totally different. We got some people in our life, man, that have really, really blessed us because we bless them with this word. We bless them, man. We're giving them the best of who we are. And we've never required or begged them to give us anything. But we just thank God that they appreciate the gift. They appreciate uh, what we're pouring into their lives and through ministry, encourage them, sticking with them, giving them the best of our gifts that we that God has given us. So now Sharon and I had to grow and mature to put our hands and keep our hands open both ways. You know, you, you open your hand to give, so you got to open your hand, leave it open so you can receive. And let God determine how much men are going to give back to you. He said, give, Luke 6, 38, and it shall be given to you again, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give, you know, and then somebody's going to give unto your bosom. Say, men shall give unto your bosom, but with the same measure that you measure it out. In other words, if I do it with a cheerful heart, I should be just as excited when it comes back to me. When I'm giving, and it's also giving. Giving also attracts giving. You know? And so just wanted to throw that out there. And it talks about a giver. Uh, it talks about open-handedness in the giver and largeness in the thing or amount given. Give more than the size or importance of the gift. That's important. That's a different type of giving. And there are a lot of people who are practicing this right now with this coronavirus going on. And so let's look at a couple of scriptures here that dates all the way back to the days of Numbers. And the first scripture we want to take a look at is in the book of Numbers. Chapter 7, verse 13, the King James Bible. Bear in mind what are the definitions that I just stated. And it says, And his offering was one silver charger. The weight thereof was an hundred and thirty shekels, one silver bowl, and seventy shekels after the shekels of the sanctuary. Both of them were full of fine flour, mingled with oil, for a meat offering. Now, this is this is back then uh, as they practiced uh, munificent giving. But notice now, this person, there was no money to buy, uh, involved here or discussed here. <clears throat> but these were things of value. You know, the precious metals, you know, uh, you know, the, the shekels and the silver. That was the kind of uh, money that they used back then. But these are things that could be beneficial to the temple the temple worship. Notice what he said. After the sanctuary. In other words, he wanted these things to be brought into the sanctuary that they could benefit the sanctuary. Why is that why is that so important? Munificent giving also should take place in the sanctuary. Why? God wants to prove himself in the sanctuary. And whoever this person was in numbers that gave all of these uh, different things that were valued to them, okay, about that. These were things that were of value to this person, okay? They were liberal about it. They were generous about it. Sounds like a lot of bounty in there to me, y'all. You know, he was giving, okay, freely, not stingily. You know, sometimes people are so hard to let go of things. You think you're not going to get anything back. And, and, and that's not faith, okay? This person here, man, was very generous, very liberal, very bountiful. You know, gave, you know, not stingily. Freely, you know, large. Look at what it says. He gave more than the size or importance of the gift. See it right there in in, in numbers. See it taking place right there in numbers. You know, and so we thank God for that. So let's go to another scripture here. It's over in First Kings. 
okay, uh, the third chapter, verse 4, over in the King James Bible. Bear in mind, now, we just defined what this gift should look like, and I'm going to put that meaning in that culture that they lived in. These things here that we see these people bring into the sanctuary or bring into the, the, the men and women of God that were responsible for maintaining the, the, the place of worship, okay? Uh, you know, these, 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 were, these were precious things that they were giving to the work, okay? They weren't just giving anything. You know, they weren't just bringing God anything. We know how God feels about that when you bring him anything. You got to remember now we're giving to an all-knowing God, and God wants the best of the best. If you're poor and you only have two pence and you give those two pence, knowing that's all you have, you give them more than anybody. We know in the Bible that's what happens. You give them more than anybody. And when you do that, notice what the Lord says in a situation like that. You'll always have more than enough. <laughs> Your back will always be open. You know, you'll always have you know, food to eat. You'll always have enough, more than enough. So let's see. Put your phone on mute, please. Let's see what 1 Kings 3 and 4 here in the King James Bible is saying. It says, And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. It is right there now. So this type of giving requires a sacrifice there. For that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. That's, that's pretty significant right there. Okay? A thousand. Offer, you know, uh, a burnt offering. That, that's pretty significant, you know. Everybody can't do that. But it looked like he was very liberal. looked like he was very bountiful. looked like he was very generous about it. And went to that high place. In other words, a place prepared like an altar, where you do, when I went up on this high place, I wasn't coming empty-handed. I was bringing God something that was of value to me and took it up on that high place, you know, so that the aroma of it would go straight up. And this was all ceremonial back then. Okay, but God accepted that this was their form of worship. These were things that meant a lot to them. Um, I don't believe they took no mad cow. I don't believe they took no, you know, no, no, no crippled animals that broke legs. I believe they picked out choice offerings, a thousand burnt offerings. Something that they that they would saw as a sacrifice. They put it on the table to say, like, steak. They decided to give it to God on that high altar, in that high place. And so it was something that was very, uh, you know, give it up. It was a, it was a sacrifice. You probably looked at it and said, boy, that show would taste good if I dress it out and cook it, but I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to take it up here. I'm going to cut the portions that he says. I'm going to time to the altar. I'm going to set it apart, and I'm going to sit back and watch all of it be consumed. And I'm going to watch the smoke going up. And I'm going to know that that's worship. I'm going to know that that's a sweet odor going up to God. God, I'm giving you my very best. I'm sacrificing these thousand offerings. You know, they probably stand out there clapping their hands. They're probably out there doing a dust dance. They're probably throwing sackcloth and dust because they know they're worshiping God. You know, they know they're giving God an offering, giving, giving God an offering, sacrificing these thousand uh, burnt offerings. Let's go a little bit further here over in the uh, same book, First Kings, uh, book of First Kings, chapter 8, verse 63. We're just going to walk through a few of these verses here, looking at this particular type of giving, discipline giving. Okay, that's that liberal, that generous, that, you know, that, that abundant giving here, you know, that bountiful giving. 
things that are near us and valuable to us. And so now we look at Solomon again. It says, and Solomon, we know who Solomon was, David's son. Now Solomon, you know, could have felt like, I don't have to give to God. I got everything my father left me. I got it. I'm blessed. You know, he could have felt and took that attitude. But as much as this man had, and he was very wealthy, had 750 wives and 300 concubines and you know, Bathsheba and all of them bought gold. Anybody who came to see Solomon came to see Solomon because they felt like if I sow something in this man's life, I'm going to be blessed because he was David's anointed son. The only problem that Solomon made, mistake he made was this, is that he decided not to build that temple like God had instructed his father to build it. And he turned it into a man of shrine for all, these, all this idolatry. But when it came down to his offering to God, only thing he didn't offer was himself as a living sacrifice. Everything he did when it came down to that personal relationship was vanity on vanity. But the system of worship that it was, it was instituted, he made sure that he took those material things, those things of value, and he offered them to God. So let's take a look at what he did. It says, and Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offering, which he offered unto the Lord, Two and twenty thousand oxen. Whoa, man, that's a pretty good size herd. And and hundred and twenty thousand sheep. Now that's bountiful. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. Now you think about this. They're out there dedicating the house of the Lord. So in theory, this makes perfect sense. This is what we're supposed to be doing. But in his heart. Okay, it was far from God because he was too dedicated, too busy sharing with all these other uh, gods that they had to worship, goddesses they had to worship, statues they had to worship. You know, when you look at the temple in Solomon's day, he had rooms in that temple. Okay, and it, each one of those rooms had a shrine or an altar, a pedestal set up with some type of god on it. Some of them didn't have a roof on them, so they were faced toward the sun and worshiped the sun goddess and worshiped nature. Had all kinds of things going on up there, all that idolatry in the temple. And here he are now, here he is now, got all the children of Israel caught up in this system, and they're there too, are dedicating the house of God to God by doing all these ceremonial burnt offerings and whatnot. This is why it had to be done away with. This is why the temple had to be destroyed. This is why Jesus went in the temple and cleaned it out, because these practices continued to go on. And they were offering God their very best but they were not offering him their heart. That's why the Lord said, let a man purpose in the heart when Paul taught in 2 Corinthians 9.10. As a man purpose in his heart, so let him be. You know, you know. Because now it's about the condition of the heart. You know, it's no longer about the ceremony. It's no longer about, you know, trying to impress. You know, it's no longer about the, that, that, that animal sacrifice. We don't do that anymore. Get away with that. Jesus came and solved that once and for all. He gave his life. So we, we, a new way was instituted. Amen. So let's go a little further here. Uh, see what Solomon did. Let's look in chapter 10 of this same book, First Kings chapter 10, verse 10, King James Bible. And let's take a look here now. It says, And she gave the king an 120 talents of gold and of spices, very great store, and precious stones. There came... No more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. 
kind of remind you of the day, man, when people say, oh, I need $70 million. I want to go out here and buy me a yacht. I want to go out here and build me a 15-bathroom, 25-bedroom house. You know, I want to be able to buy me a jet, pay $80 million for it so I can fly around the world and let people see how God blessing me. And here comes Queen of Sheba, who was pretty well off herself, heard about Solomon, heard about his business, heard about how beautiful that temple was, heard about that system of sacrifice. So she decided she's going to go sow her some seeds in that good ground. And so she came, you know, she came. She came and bought him all these precious gifts given to the king. So he, king Solomon, given to him. And some people are like that today, you know. And Solomon um, it took and offered some of those things. God, he did not need, and I'm going somewhere right here with this, he did not need anything else. He was wealthy and he, he, he knew what to do with it. Everybody gave it. He didn't need anything. But, but greed will do that to you sometimes. The more you get, the more you want. And we see people like that today. You know, just like Solomon. Vanity on vanity. Don't, don't, don't care about nothing but how much more people are going to give to them. You know, greed. Greed to do that. And, and Solomon just kept on receiving, kept on receiving, kept on receiving. And people were not giving to him because they felt like, um, you know, he was, uh, as a matter of fact, they treated him like a god. Nice-looking person, you know, tall. Their, their pictures, I look in some, some of the historical records, and you'll see the tall, dark hair, you know, handsome statue of a man. You know. <laughs> and they were giving to him, man, and here comes Queen. She heard about him, and she comes and wanted some of that wisdom. Wanted that blessing, you know, but you can't sell this anointing. Ain't no price you can put on it, you know. And so we see right there, man, that it was very plentiful, bountiful, you know, how she gave to him. Amen. Uh, you know, I don't know whether she was wanting something in return. Some people are like that sometimes. I want that anointing, so I'm going to throw a thousand dollars. You know, I want, I want that anointing, so I'm going to run up here and be the first one to throw a thousand dollars at the feet of. Of the of, of, of the of the uh, of the uh, priest and my bishop and my apostle and my pastor, all these things, you know, all these things go on in the in the in the sanctuary these days. <laughs> you know. So let's go a little further here in the book of Second Kings now, chapter five, verse five, the King James Bible, still talking about this discipline giving, where we're saying it's generous, it's plentious, okay, it's bountiful, you know, and. So let's see right here what it says in, 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 in this particular uh, book, Second Kings chapter 5, verse 5, King James Bible. It says, and the king of Syria said, go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment, raiment. Clothing, nice, you know, alligator shoes, $25 shark can suit. Went to impress somebody. Some folks do that. They give thinking they're going to get some favor. They're going to get some special anointing off this person. All these reasons. And sometimes people buy favor. You know, I've turned down invitations to go speak to people's church sometimes because they thought, hey, what are we going to do, Pastor? Come over, preach my anniversary, and then, you know, when you have yours, I'll come over and return the favor. Did that for a minute when I first transitioned, you know. And the Lord told me to stop doing that because, you know, you go over there and you take up an offering. They come over there and you take up an offering. You know, the Lord said, that's, you know, they, you don't need to do that. That's the wrong reason, wrong motive. And then they thought I was crazy when I would take 
hundred dollars they gave me. Said, no, nah, we're gonna throw this back in the ministry because it wasn't about money for us. No, no, Pat, no, we, we wanted to give you more, but you know, that was a tight bind here. And it wasn't about that no way. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm taken care of. I'm all right. The Lord told me to, you know, stop doing that sometimes and just take it, you know, because if you don't, they're going to they gonna talk about you. They're going to still do it. And so I had to just wean myself away from that because that's, you know, my giving, man, is unto the Lord. You know, it ain't, it ain't about trying to impress people. But there are people out there who do that. You know, love that you can come here and do this. You know, I'm going to take up an oven and come over here. You know, that, that to me, that, 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 that to me just, uh, misrepresents God. So we see right here, man, that this this person obviously wants some favor, wants some protection. Maybe Solomon had such a big army and chariots and horses and whatnot that this person may want to try to buy some uh, some allegiance here and line up with him, uh, vice versa, and press him so that you know, they can join together and help fight my enemies, help me fight my enemies because they're bigger than me, they're larger than me. We don't know what, 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 what the deal was here. We just see that this was very bountiful. This was very sacrificial. This was like more than the size of the gift or the importance of the gift. There's something else here hanging in the balance. You know? But it's magnificent, whatever it is. So let's go a little further here in the second book of Second Kings chapter 8, verse 9, King James Bible. It says, So Aziel went to meet him and took a present with him even of every good thing, been had a king of Syria had sent me to thee, saying, Shall I recover of this disease? So now we see a transition here. If you notice, all of these kings, you know, dealing with other kings, dealing with other important people, you know, people in high places, people who had influence, who had, I, I believe the hand of God was on all of them. But I believe they were abusing their power. So now here is this king. Okay, he want to know because he feel like this person that I'm sending these gifts to have some special anointing, and they might be able to tell me whether God gonna heal me. But I believe I gotta pay for it. They gonna want something. So now they're sending something, trying to buy something. If, you, if God decides to heal you, it's gonna be based on what you have in your heart. What kind of condition is in your heart? You know. You know. What, what, what are you giving of yourself to the Lord? He's the healer. He's the healer. You you, you want to get in a position where you believe his report. So have your heart right. Don't be done rob God. Don't be stingy, grudgingly, you know, always wanting to take, begging for folks. And then you get sick, and you want now somebody to tell you God going to heal you. And so you're willing to pay for it. It doesn't work that way. But now if you've been a person that has been bountiful in your giving, I don't want to hear Supporting the work, going forward. But, you know, you got favor with God. You don't have to go through all of this. You just go to the wall, throw your hands in there and say, Lord, I got work to do for you. Forgive me if I'm if I, if I, if I wrong, when I wrong you. Don't say, yeah, but you know you're wrong. And, Lord, I just need you to heal me so I can go on and do the work. You know. Thinking about it, uh, uh, you know, uh, Guy in the Bible, we think about Hezekiah, 15 more years, Lord added to him. You know, but it wasn't without uh, making some priority readjustments. You know, and giving sometimes, remember, you know, with the wrong heart, stingy, grudging, you know, can affect liability or our ability to function. Why? Because we're trying to make sure we teach people how to do it 
So I'm not so overly concerned about it in the church. And I spend my whole time in the pulpit begging for money, telling people got to take up another offering. I want the children, you know, rely on money. We ain't got enough for this and for that. You know, I got a $1,000 tax I need to pay on a piece of property. I want all that crazy stuff when you should be teaching the people about how to give, why we give, who we giving to. Amen. So let's go a little bit further right here. You just came by healing. You know, but if you're right with God, you can. He will heal you. Uh, so let's take a look in the first book of Chronicles. Uh, got about eight minutes here. Let's try to get speed. Uh, the first book of Chronicles, chapter 28, verse 14, King James Bible. Uh, and it says, so you see, this particular type of giving started way, way back when in Numbers, and we're just walking our way up. And we're going to end here in the New Covenant, uh, so it's still viable today, amen. It says, um, Book of First Chronicles, chapter 28, verse 14, King James Bible says this, He gave of gold by weight for things of gold for all instruments of all manner of service. Silver also for all instruments of silver by weight and for all instruments of every kind of service. See here now, he's given gold, he's given money, he's given time, and he's given service because he's supporting the service, okay? So he's given. But here's the deal. Now, remember we said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men given to your bosom. For with the same measure you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So this person is measuring out a specific amount to give, to support this work. There's a possibility now because I'm applying concepts and rules and principles for giving all the way back then. It's going to be measured back to me again. So you see it right there in that scripture. Somebody, somebody is given the right way according to the Bible. Now, the only thing they got to be concerned about is what's in my heart when I'm giving. Because you got to do it as a man's purpose in his heart. So let him give ungrudgingly, not of necessity, can't be stingy, doing it with the wrong motive. All right, give them, they're going to give back to me. Now, even though that's, that's, the, that's the understanding of the practice, but I can't let that be, you know, why I'm doing it. Even though that is why I'm doing it, I can't. I gotta have the right motive because if I don't get something back, I still did what God told me to do. So I, so I still got favor with God. I might just get my healing as a result of that. Why? Because my heart was right. <laughs> no. So let's go to the first book of Chronicles, chapter twenty-nine, verse three, King James Bible. Moreover, because I have set my affections to the house of my God. I have of mine own proper goods of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. There's that principle we just got through talking about. Above and beyond the gifts and the importance of the gifts. I was focused on the house of God. And if that, if people can get that right there, just like they had it back then, uh, you wouldn't have to beg. You wouldn't have to be aggressive. Will just do what the words say that you teach them. And they may break you something. Just don't know. You know, but that's in the first book of Chronicles, chapter 29, verse 3, King James Version. So let's go a little further here. 
I want to go to Second Chronicles, the book of Second Chronicles, chapter one, verse six, King James Bible. It says, "And Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it." Second Chronicles, book of Second Chronicles, chapter one, verse six, King James Bible. So we see here that Solomon had a good practice. He practiced this here. He practiced what the word says. But he also incorporated all this other stuff, too. Worshiping this, worshiping that, idolatry, and all of that. Instead of giving God himself as a sacrifice, living sacrifice, holding himself unto God without a spot, without a wrinkle, he was just offering God the ceremony aspect, the material thing, which was required of them back then. But God wants a heart. You know, he wants us. He wants us to present ourselves, come with the right heart, with the right spirit before him. We can't practice all this other stuff. One day, and practice this over here, you know, because it's part of your heritage. No, you got to be all the way in. You're gonna, you're gonna have to apply all of the, of the law, all of the way, the teachings of God about giving. You, know, you can't just pick and choose and go through the motions and get the ceremony and the ritualistic part of it, and your heart not right. That sounds like that old spirit that Cain had. Sounds like Abel had the right spirit, but Cain had the wrong spirit. What Abel gave the Lord was a, a was a value. Ain't just say, well, you know, I know I got to give an offering to him, so I'm just going to give him whatever. It's not that important to me. I can do without this. <clears throat> so we go on over to the second book of Chronicles, chapter 5, verse 6. King James Bible says this. Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark sacrificed even oxen, which could not be told nor numbered for a multitude. There's that measurement again. No wonder Solomon was so blessed and had so much. He was practicing this in theory, you know, but his heart was full of vanity, empty. He wanted to give his heart to God. A lot of people like that. Let's give that money, write that check, because at the end, you know, I ain't bowing down and worship. I'm, I'm, with, I'm, I'm, I'm rich, you know. I'm, I'm, people worship me. I'm, I don't want to release that heart. Heart is far from God. You got the pocketbook. You got the checkbook. You got the, you know, you got the money. You write a thousand dollars. Everybody sees the check. Whoa, man. Gave a thousand dollars, but you got a reserved area in your church. Nobody can sit near you. You in that one hundred thousand dollar area? You got twenty five seats on the first row reserved, waiting on other hundred thousand dollar givers. Your seat is reserved. Everybody else got to sit up in those meeting areas because they preach there. You know, some people can do that. They ain't nothing about it. Solomon was like that. <clears throat> what I love about this, what I shouldn't say love, but what I see about this is Solomon because of this is what's so important about leadership. As the whole congregation saw Solomon doing this, they followed suit because he was leading by example. You know, sometimes you can lead people in the wrong direction by example. <laughs> kind of going on right now. <laughs> Knowing money that folks, if you can read other people that came the first time, see that. Must be a blessing in that. They grab rent money, go throw it at people's feet too, and think something's going to happen. You know, sometimes it seems right, sound right, look right. You know, you see it on TV. You, you're trying to figure out what's the what's magical about it. You know, it must be a blessing. You got a light bill to cure the need some food. You know, better pray to God. Amen. So it's easy sometimes, man, by example, to do things. When people see you doing it, you know, they'll do it. And that's kind of what we see here. Matter of fact, I believe they paid a penalty if they didn't. I believe they didn't play, man. They they ruled with an iron fist. You were going to give. It was mandatory. 
I do it, the king do it, you better believe you're going to do it. I believe it was a requirement that they gave so much, you know. And that's the way it was back then. Not like that today. You know, there's a purpose in your heart. So let's go a little further here. Amen. In the uh, second book of Chronicles, chapter 9, verse 9, we got just a couple of minutes here. King James Bible says this. It says, and she gave the king 120 talents of gold and of peaches, spices, uh, great abundance, and precious stones. In other words, there any such spice as the queen of Sheba gave unto Solomon. And we saw that earlier. So here she's coming back again. She just kept believing and giving it to him. Then you look at Ezra, chapter 6, verse 9. King James Bible says this. And that which he have, they have need of, both young bullocks and rams and lambs, for the burnt offerings of God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, and oil, according to the appointment of the priests which are at Jerusalem, let it be given them day by day without fail. Why? Because God wants to be proven in his house. His preachers got to eat. The workers at the altar got to eat. Levi singers and worshipers that prepare the, the sanctuary for got to eat. And so all this abundance was given so that everything in God's house could be provided for. Nothing wrong with that. Even back then, this principle was working. And they took out of that portion and they did, they dealt with it. They didn't go out there telling the people, that's not enough. We got to take up another offer. But these people had been taught and trained that if they wanted to be blessed by God, they had to make sure God's house was proven. Those that was in it, they ran that place. It was, it was, it was sacred then. It was sanctified then. It wasn't until they started setting up merchandises and money changes and that these, by the time all this history had unfolded, things had changed. What had they changed? They had turned God's house into what was holy, meant to be holy, intended to be holy, doing all kind of stuff, offering all kind of any kind of sacrifice. And Jesus, when he came, he had to go in there and institute a whole new way, clean out the house, get rid of all of that. So let's go. We've got two more verses, and we'll be finished with this particular teaching. Uh, the next one's going to come out of the book of Mark. We're in the new covenant now. So you see we move from the old covenant. Some of the understanding concepts and practices are still the same today. They have the same implication going forward. So let's take a look at it right now, okay? Uh, this is in the gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 43 and 44, King James Bible. It says this, And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that this poor widow has passed more in than all they which have passed into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. Kind of see where this came from. This spirit came all the way over from the old covenant. People were used to this. They thought that they could impress by abundance. But notice now how, how the Lord looks at abundance, what he tells, you know, Mark, the, 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 the apostle, what the writer. He says, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all of her living. According to the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 43, 44, King James Bible. Now, you've got to have some implicable faith to make this kind of sacrifice. But there are times when I've, I've encountered this, when people will come and say, Pastor, I'm just not able to pay my tithes no more. And I said, well, you don't pay your tithes anyway. What do you mean, Pastor? That's God's money. And you tell them the scripture, and they'll say, but Pastor, I, I need Go ahead and pay your bill. I'm not going to argue. Go pay your bill. Ain't, you ain't giving it to me. And I've seen them turn right around, make two steps in the opposite direction, turn back around. Do you know what, Pastor? Now, you know, I've been taught that you 
I, I can't afford not to give my tax. I'm not, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna I'm I'm turn around and give my tax because I'm gonna trust God. God is God is being good to me, you know. And so you 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 you'll run across people like that. You know that they're just they're gonna do right by God because they want to see God's house blessed, you know. And they know God's gonna take care of them. You didn't get to be a hundred years old, man, being blessed, provided for, you know. But God, God taking care of you. They know. They know where the blessings come from. And so the last scripture coming out of the second book of Corinthians, chapter 8, verse 3, King James Bible for the night. And it says this. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power. They were willing of themselves. That's important. They were willing of themselves to give unto the Lord. That is so important. I wish we as leaders and pastors would begin to teach the people the right way in the right time frame that we're living in and allow people to be willing of their own, you know, ability, you know, of their own choice to be able to give based on the teaching, not based on what, what, what I'm demanding or requiring, playing God, telling people they better do this. If you don't, God's going to curse them. You know, when God said, you know, if you bring that tithe that often into the storehouse and prove me it will, I'll rebuke the devourer for you. Teach the people that. Let them carry that when they, they they're around in their hearts and their minds and they get ready to make a decision about what I'm going to purpose in my heart to teach. That word will speak to them. That word will convict them. That I'm not robbing the pastor. I'm not robbing the church. I'm robbing God. And sometimes the people know that they don't want the church to suffer. They know the church is going to suffer. Sometimes people get convicted. Especially some of the older saints. They've had a place to go worship and fellowship even when they were little kids. They'll talk about it. My mama used to bring me here. My grandmom and them, you know, they remember that. And that place is still standing. So we shouldn't change just because we went from old covenant, we do covenant now. We shouldn't change everything and make it about me. Progressively begging now because I see all the other pastors doing it, so I'm going to do it. They're getting away with it, so I'm going to try it. People purpose in their hearts. I have them doing it tangibly, grudgingly. Teach them the word. That's the way. Amen. So we're going to end right there tonight. Uh, this finishes my teaching on uh, on the giving portion of this. Hopefully, you got something out of this. This is municipal giving. That general, you know, that generous giving. You know, out of abundance, out of sacrifice, sometimes. You know, and it's always above and beyond the gift of the importance of the gift. Because your heart's in the right place. That's the gift. What is in your heart? That's what God is looking for. And there's a lot of people don't have it in their heart. They, they're giving, but they're giving tangibly, grudgingly trying to get something. A lot of leaders are like that. I hate to say it. And people follow their leaders sometimes. They do what their leaders do. But we got to set a better example. We got to set a better example. And giving in everything you think. Live what you preach. Live what you teach. And you'll see people, they'll learn the right way. You do it the right way, they'll follow you. Never have to say anything, but we're going to receive our offering. Don't forget your tax. Boom, it'll happen because you taught them well. You've done it yourself. It's not a Sunday you won't see Pastor Sharon when we come to that offering time, write that envelope out, hands it over there and puts it in that basket because people are getting the visual. They're seeing us do the same thing. We're not telling them this is offering time to 
bring your offering, it will not bring down the Let's worship. All right, then. Well, this, this teaching tonight is over. We're going to go ahead and end the call at this time. Father, we thank you for this word. Pray it comes. Not come back, boy, but it fall on good ground. And please take care of the purpose you send it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, then. Well, you can take your phone. This session is no longer being now. recorded. And um, we'll take your comments at this time. I know you have.